0: This is City AM Unregulated Rio 50 edition. I'm Emma Hazlitt, digital editor at City AM, and I'm joined today by
1: Frank Galarez, Sports Editor of City AM. We've compiled a list of the 50 most marketable athletes in the Olympic and Paralympic Games.
0: So who are the top athletes? Who are the top countries and which are the top sports?
1: Welcome to City AM Unregulated, Rio 50 edition.
0: Hi everyone, welcome to a very special edition of City AM Unregulated. I'm City AM's digital editor, Emma Hazlitt, and I'm joined in the studio today by Frank Dallarez, our sports editor. And we're going to talk about City AM's Rio 50 list of the most marketable athletes at the Olympics and Paralympics. Frank, can you just explain a little bit more about the list?
1: Hi Emma, yes. Uh, we did a survey of experts in the industry because we wanted to find out who the most marketable athletes were going to be at uh, this month's Rio Olympic and Paralympic Games. So we asked um, eight experts from sponsorship, marketing, management and PR to make nominations, whittle down the list to 50 and then put them in order. And we're joined by one of them today, John Hazard from Synergy. Is going to explain exactly why they've come up with this order.
2: Yeah, I'll try. <laughs> in in the in the top list, I think I guess the I guess the main the main factors that Bolt was never going to be far from the top. You <laughs> yeah. know, there's there's no there's no way of thinking about the Olympics these days without thinking of Usain. You know, the records, whether it's the gold medals, whether it's the charisma. Um, so I guess without spoiling it for anybody you know seeing him at number one was gonna was almost a felt like a face
0: but number two was Neymar can yeah. you explain a little bit about why that was
2: um oh, Neymar Neymar if you're a football fan uh you'll you'll definitely know know him by face by possibly haircut by silky skills and tricks alone <laughs> but Brazilian homegrown talent amazing amazing player uh who probably has a lot to prove at this games uh you know Brazil hosted the World Cup uh in 2014 and they sort of had a bit of a meltdown really um Neymar kind of came out of that largely unscathed because he was he was injured for the 7-1 mauling by Germany but I think he wants to lead his team to to you know to actually something meaningful he's a marketeer's dream
0: (laughs) and um, Frank can you tell us a little bit more about how you put the list together
1: um, we, we went out to the industry and asked uh, people from various different sectors of sports business, so marketeers, sponsorship, uh, management and PR, uh, and uh, some, some from academia as well. And they initially made a list of nominations to be on a long list. They then whittled down that long list to a short list. And it was this 50-man short list that they then eventually helped to rank um, using aggregate scoring, which is what's given us the Rio 50 that we, that we see today.
0: Did anything surprise you about it?
1: Well, I thought it was interesting that track and field was the most uh, dominant sport. If we look at it by sport, there's 15 from track and field and the next biggest was six from tennis. And, um, you know, f- track and field not being a sport that really is in the spotlight uh, 365 days a year or even necessarily every year, um, it's probably really only the, the world championships and the and the Olympics that really capture the imagination. Um, that was interesting um i mean one of the explanations i think is because athletics covers quite a lot of disciplines and there are a lot of track and field competitors at the games anyway so in that in that sense it was to be expected but um but but i'm sure there's there's more to it than that and perhaps Jonathan john can fill us in i i i think it's an interesting uh, an interesting point yes there's no there's not that
2: much track and field you know, outside of games time, you know, world championships, euros, etc. but uh, you don't really think about it. It doesn't have that following, um, which is probably difficult for, for some people to, to understand. Uh, But the, I'd say that track and field one way or another is probably almost the shortcut in most people's minds to what the Olympics represents. They think of, they think of it in that way. It's the, it's the climactic moment of the games. You know, the hundred meters is the must see TV. Super Saturday is what people sit in to be at. Um, I, I think that it also reflects uh, the timing of, 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 of when the athletics events happen. It sort of reflects the way people consume the Games. You start out, the Games te- te- technically sort of tends to start a bit slow burn with, you know, s- swimming bits, things like that, people getting into it slowly. And by the end of it, you have a critical mass who've sort of plateaued to, to be a part of those really big, really big kind of appointments of you, occasions.
0: At the, at the 2012 Olympics, it certainly felt like, people wanted those athletics tickets more than anything else. Everything else was not a sideline, but but less kind of exciting. Is that is that going to carry on in Rio? I mean, is it something that happens every time?
1: I think, I think, as John says, I mean, when you think about the Olympics, you tend to think about the athletics. It's the 100 metres, it's the 100 metre relay, the 400 metres, 1500 metres, things like that. Those are the iconic Olympic events. So, yeah, I think when you are thinking about what you want to see at the, at the games that's yeah. that's the unique selling point
0: um the thing that really interested me was that if you look at the top two so again going back to bolt and neymar they had a lot of sponsorships do brands you know when somebody has quite a few names already to them do you do brands still want to pile on top why have they got so many
2: i mean they why have they got so many there i mean probably someone like bolt uh uh like it's a, it's a he difficult one, actually.
0: For brands. He's
2: he's a really he's a really charismatic guy that helps. Uh, he's uh, so personality-wise. When when we looked at some of some of the criteria for ranking, you know, which were things like performance credentials, things like how's he going to perform at Rio, things like. You know, what's his backstory and what's his what's his personality like? He aces pretty much all of those. And so you just look at that and that kind of explains why he's he's such uh sort of uh such a popular guy for brands. But I think you would think about it twice if you're looking at if you're looking at uh, endorsing somebody who has a huge stable of brands because how much of them is there to go around realistically you know whether that's appearances whether that's what they're going to be saying on social media with with one brand versus another what stories you can tell with them that haven't been told by somebody else which is everything a brand wants to do effectively
0: I guess it's more slices of a pie
2: yeah but you know we we live in a world where you want to be quite open and authentic and 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 tell genuine stories and are there as many left to tell if Gatorade have told them, or if Nike have told them, you know, if, if Pepsi have been all over it, or whatever. So yeah, that's that's the that's the question.
0: Presumably, you know, if you, if you're an athlete, your career has a kind of finite end. So do you think Neymar and, and Bolt are just making the most of their situation? They can just they're they're getting as much as they can right now because they're aware that they've only got a certain amount of time to be cashing in. I guess. Uh,
2: it's, uh, I think for someone like Bolt, I would. Agree with that more, um, because you know, for someone like Neymar, you're talking about uh, you know exorbitant sums that he's earning every week. Um, he doesn't need to earn the the huge sums he does from his from his uh, you know you know from all the endorsements that he he has.
0: It's a difficult life. Someone's but you know it. if someone's going to pay you for it,
2: then you, you you might accept it. You know, and he might really believe in some of those sponsorships. He might really want to work with them. And you know, that's a there is. There is a side to that um, for, for for Bolt. I think, yeah, definitely he'll he'll be wanting to make sure he's he's making the most of his of his worth while he's at you know the apex of his career.
0: Um, Frank, talking about gold medals, um, do you think they have a bigger effect on how much brands are willing to pay?
1: A bigger effect, I mean, they. I think when you're looking at Olympic athletes, it's almost the defining measure of how successful you've been in your career. Did you win any gold medals? If not, were you, did you get silver or bronze?
0: Do they add the zeros to their sponsorship deals?
1: I, I think, I think. yeah, I think for a lot of these athletes it probably makes a difference between getting a, a top sponsor and not getting one at all. Um, we sort of take it for granted, I think, with a lot of the Team GB athletes that we, that we sort of think of now um, as having a lot of sponsors, but that's that's because we've really been following them since London 2012 and just before that, when sponsors piled in on them. Before that, I don't think you'd have seen any, anywhere like the number of sponsors associating themselves, associating themselves with, with British athletes. So, yeah, I think it is a major, major factor, especially when you're talking about, say, athletics, which, as we said, is so key to the Olympics.
0: Obviously, we don't know a lot about the kind of sums that we're talking about. John, you probably do, but can't comment on that. But, um, you know, when do you think... The London twenty twelve has kind of added extra zeros to those figures that are being paid to team G B athletes? I
2: think it depends on the sport. It really it really does. I, I think you'd you'd probably be surprised that there'll be, you know, Innerverticomas deals out there to be made with with really credible, really successful athletes but who maybe are, you know, are from sports that are less fashionable or less, you know you know, less up on the, up on the, you know, the the podium, so to speak, uh, than track and field or than football or whatever, whatever it might be. So, you know, you, you know, yes, it's, you know, winning a gold medal will increase your, you know, increase what a a brand is willing to pay for you. But I think it's more that it increases what, uh, you know, the negotiating power that you have and that you're probably your agent has to, to stick that zero on or to, you know, carve a bit, a smaller piece of the pie for that money. So it's, uh yeah, London 2012 did that, but you know, arguably Beijing, Beijing did, you know, started that.
0: Um The D word doping. Frank, we we didn't see many Russians on that list.
1: We didn't. We didn't see any Russians on that list, which um, I think is probably explained by by two factors. One of those is the fact that uh, there are obviously fewer of them going to be there uh, due to all the all the doping business that uh, russia's currently dealing with um but the other factor is that that there are relatively few russian athletes who probably are internationally recognized um maria sharapova for tennis um is, is an obvious one um but she was ruled out fairly early and and apart from that perhaps from track and field yelena in has been very very successful and has, has sort of reached the peak of her career and probably reached peak kind of um Recognition, so she might have had a shot at being the top fifty as well. But, um, but I think all things considered, the 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 doping probably hasn't had a huge effect on the list because I don't think there would have been too many Russians in there anyway.
0: Are there any sponsors who who haven't been freaked out by the doping allegations? Not just with Russians, I guess, with other nationalities and sports as well. I guess cycling is the big one.
2: Um, yeah, I I mean there are there there are definitely no there are definitely certain sponsors that reacted with different um different speeds uh to to you know formally or informally to what they what they've what they've seen i think the main thing you always have to you always have to bear in mind is that you know there's the you know innocent until proven guilty uh you know situation you can't be led by by the smoke you need to see the fire but does Um,
0: does sponsor react like that i mean do they you know you have allegations of doping would sponsors tend to completely freak out or do they tend to give the athletes a, a chance
2: um i think doping is it would be would be a, a pretty clear you know red line in the sand is that a thing um <laughs> it's right regardless um it, it would be a it would be a sort of black mark the um you know, in most, in the majority of uh, sponsor contracts with athletes, you know, there are there are not only performance clauses but behavioural clauses. So, so you know, they we don't expect this of you. But certainly, doping is you know, doping or drug taking, performance enhancing, anything like that would be uh, you know something which can can lead to a, a you know a, you know cancellation of a contract.
0: God, it's high pressure, isn't it? Though, like. If you can't, so you have to perform to a certain degree. But if you can't,
1: you can't even take some drugs. What's can't even well? take <laughs> some drugs to get over. It? What are they thinking, <laughs> Those guys? I think another interesting thing um, that the list has thrown up is the the number of tennis players. Tennis was the second most represented sport in the fifty, with six people. Um, and um, I think I think it's, it's interesting, John and I. I think you think you think it's an interesting talking point that um, that golf, which is a comparable sport in terms of Profile and year-round popularity and sort of global popularity only has four. Um, I wondered, you know, what you think the uh, the reasons for that might be.
2: Um, I mean, I guess from a golf perspective, it's 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 always going to be challenging for for the fraternity um, in that instance when you know you the top four players in the world all rule themselves out for whether it's the same reason or, or different. You know, we've we've had a lot of people ruling themselves out of Rio. Recuperation, rest—you know, injury, or you know, risk aversion. I suppose. How's that,
0: how's that regarded generally? Is that?
2: I think it depends on how you handle it. You know, I I think some people have handled it better than others. Um, and uh, you know, I think most most fans, if they were asked the question, would they would they go would they risk would they risk their health or the health of uh, the health of their you know potential, you know children in the future or whatever it might be. You might. Um, you know, you'd understand that, and you'd 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 understand, you know, that okay, maybe maybe that is a difficult decision. Uh, it's not cut and dry, but so I think, yeah, I think it's I think it's understandable. But I don't think that if people, um, you know, if there's any petulance about that or defensiveness, uh, you know, as there has been with with certain individuals in the in the media, that that will play as well.
0: From a sponsorship point of view, though, presumably, if you're sponsoring somebody and they. Wimp out of the Olympics. Presumably, that's not great.
2: It would be massively disappointing. Definitely, um, I think. I think with golf, it's a difficult one because that would have for for golf, it's it, you might class it as a bit of a bit of a bonus if you're if you you know if your sponsored athlete was going was going to Rio, um, but you know because you know it wouldn't have been in your long term plan. Let's say you know the majors are what you'd be worrying about there. But um, uh, you know, aside from that. Depending on your your sponsorship association with with that individual, you might not actually be allowed to to talk up talk up your relationship all that much uh, with them, even if they had gone to the gone to the games, uh, due to due to sort of uh, you know marketing restrictions from the IOC. But um, I I think that for if you're if you're Nike with a LeBron, you know your your perspective might be more about how can we use him to talk about what's happening over there here and actually that's that's still great because you know we share a time zone you know and um and all his fans are still on social media and they're still fervently listening to what he has to say so it's not all bad news
0: were there any other kind of major surprises in the list anything that that really stood out there were two paralympians in there
1: there were two paralympians both sprinters um alan Oliveira, the brazilian sprinter who um who won gold in London and Johnny Peacock who also won gold in London and I think they'll actually be racing each other I think I'm right in saying the T44 100 meters um and yes I mean there was there were other Paralympians in the long list who came pretty close to making the, the top 50 um but yeah there were just just the two um in in the final 50 and I mean I, I would suggest that's perhaps representative of the relative profile of the Paralympics, perhaps to the to the Olympics, even now.
2: Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. I mean, you know, the it's no surprise that two the two people that made their you know made the list were from probably the the most high profile event, if you like, in 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 the games. There are probably others that could have that could have uh, you know found their way on. You know, from, whether it's from you know events that are kind of. A really interesting and competitive uh, in themselves. You know, wheelchair rugby springs to mind. You know, really, really exciting event. You know, if you've seen the film *Murderball*, you'll know all about it. Um, and you know, the Australians have got you know got some amazing players there who could, probably could have probably could have sat on the list quite comfortably. But yeah, I think it's um, you know it's growing profile. Channel Four did an amazing job. You know, at London 2012 with with superhumans. If you if you haven't seen the latest kind of Gets the latest me
0: every time, every time it's I it. it's
2: one of the best it's one of the best trails I've seen in yeah. years. Uh, but that's that's kind of you know these are these are these are steps that that are uh, that are being taken by forward thinking you know forward thinking broadcasters in this instance to to reposition something as not and not a sort of a you know a little extra at the side of the olympic games but but something in itself that is not is neither brave nor you know to be lauded and applauded it's to these are the best in the world at they, what they do and they're better than any of us at what they do
0: are those deals increasing though are you seeing more de- deals for people for Paralympians
2: um i not i wouldn't say i wouldn't say necessarily um but you know that's that's not to say that uh moments like the Paralympics coming round don't 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 provide occasions to to you know provide occasions for brands the right brands to uh work with them. Okay.
0: Frank anything else to add?
1: I think we might just touch on the the breakdown of nationalities. I mean the team USA is by far the uh, the most represented there with 15 um although team GB has 11 and then after that the next the next most has four. Um, I, I would guess that uh, Team GB has so many, partly because this is a British-based survey, and we we asked a lot of British-based people.
0: But um, also because Team GB is awesome.
1: But also because Team GB is 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 having a great time. Obviously, we're, we're wildly successful at London 2012, and and I think I think I'm right in saying it would be unprecedented for uh, a nation who's just hated the Olympics to then go and do better in the next one. So I think it'd probably be unrealistic to expect them to do as well or better. But they're hoping it's going to be their best away Olympics in terms of medals won. And personally, I think that's not unrealistic. I think with the, um, the sort of athletes they've got on the team, a lot of the guys who won gold last time, there's no reason why they shouldn't win gold this time, especially on the track. Um, and the, the cycling team especially is absolutely stacked full of medal potential. So even yeah, without I think, Victoria Pendleton, even without Victoria Pendleton, yeah, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's you know Chris Froome's won three Tour de France since then, so um, there's yeah there's there's definite potential to I think be the best away games. Yeah, I think I mean home, home games, home advantage, as uh, you know, it was turned back then. You know,
2: it's it's a, you know it's a supercharger for performance, and you know, but even then, you c- you know there was a there was a sort of a Public sort of drawing of breath, waiting for that first medal, let alone first gold, you know. And, uh, you know, we all remember it, but it's a, it's a, you know, it'll be the same, it'll be the same in Rio, you know, waiting for someone to kind of break the duck and, you know, start the, you know, medal rush, hopefully, Mm -hmm. but, you know, just take the pressure off other people and let us let them know
1: that, you know, we can still do that. Well, I think Froome goes on Saturday in what is the first main day of, of, of real event competition. So I think there's every chance he could get us on the get us on the board early doors.
0: Frank, thank you very much. John, thank you thank very you. much for coming down. Pleasure. Um this has been City AM Unregulated Rio fifty edition.